you as a buyer should understand and know how contractual deadlines work. Well, wire fraud is so real in today's environment. Unless you can get to the FBI minutes later, you're probably sad and not buying a house. I also tell my clients that they need to consider this time as their part-time job. Trying to run a business in your home or you want to make sure you can have a lizard as a pet or whatever it is. Welcome to the Urban Connect Podcast. I'm Jennifer Archambo, the broker owner of Urban Provision Realtors, and I'm thrilled to be having you tuning in today. If you're here, chances are your prospective buyer, seller, or homeowner searching for clarity on the ever-changing real estate landscape here in Texas, and you've come to the right place. In each episode, we will discuss a myriad of topics providing you the knowledge and tools to navigate the complex realm of real estate. From insider tips on how to prepare your home for successful sale to insights on the latest market trends and everything in between, I've got you covered. So sit back, relax, get ready to take your real estate knowledge to the next level on the Urban Connect podcast. Buying a home can be simultaneously exhilarating and enjoyable, and sure, as well as a pivotal moment for significant decision making. Securing real estate often stands as one of the most substantial financial commitments individuals will undertake in their lifetime. Therefore, it comes as no surprise that this process often generates considerable levels of anxiety and stress. As the process of buying a home unfolds, it is essential to not only comprehend where to begin, but to fully to remain fully aware of the intricate journey that lies ahead, bridging the gap between introductory meetings with your chosen realtor and ultimately achieving the status of a homeowner and everything in between. This brings us to our next three-part series. Over the course of this three-part buyer series, I'll unravel the layers of the real estate space, unveiling the life cycle of a real estate transaction from the buyer's perspective, outlining their side of the transaction. The goal is to provide education, not only to set realistic expectations, but most importantly, equipping those who are navigating the home buying process with the knowledge to sidestep costs and mistakes. In the final episode, we will cover the concluding stages of the buying process, the contract and closing phase. It will encompass crucial aspects such as grasping timelines and deadlines with the contract phase and preparing what comes before and during the closing. So let's get started. This probably is the most shocking and frightening part of the process. You know, everybody who I've dealt with in, gosh, my 15 years almost in real estate, they're excited, their knees are knocking when they're getting started. You know, they're getting their pre-approval, they're meeting their realtor for the first time, they're going out and see their first cup of the house. You can see in their, their eyes, they're excited, they're giddy, but when it gets to the contract phase, that's when it gets serious in the buyer's perspective. And that's when the, the nerves start to kind of get you. So make sure that when you, one, get to this phase, you have a very savvy, solid realtor that can help you navigate this process. Because this is where mistakes get made. And you as a buyer don't want mistakes made because they're costly. And as a realtor, I don't want mistakes because they're very costly. Um, and I am in this business not to pay for mistakes. So contractual deadlines, once you're under contract, 
or even before you get under contract, you as a buyer should understand and know how contractual deadlines work. You don't need to be your realtor. You don't under, I mean, your realtor should be there to guide you, but you should know how these contingencies work. When they start, when they end, at best, you should have an email from your realtor that says, you know, our contract was executed today. Days of counting starts tomorrow. This is how many days we have for X, Y, and Z. And this is when these contingencies or contractual deadlines end, period. Because those, a lot of those contractual deadlines or contingencies have um, either contractual outs for you, the buyer, to say, I don't want to buy this house anymore, number one. Number two, they're tied to um, hefty funds like earnest money. And and generally, it's about 1% of your purchase price. So let's say you're you're buying a um, $800,000 house. That's eight grand. It's a lot of money to lose. And I don't want you to lose that, nor does, nor do you. So you as a buyer should understand your contingencies when they start and stop. So should your agent, number one. And then you need to know all the deadlines noted in the contract for the buyer to meet. Now, this is this is huge because up until recently, there was not a seller termination option. There does exist one today. And within the first three days of the contract, the earnest money has to be delivered to title and the option money has to be delivered to title. And if that's not delivered to title, the first thing, if the earnest money is not delivered to title within the three-day time frame, the, the seller can terminate the contract because you failed to deliver the earnest money. Before, it wasn't like that. The, the seller could not terminate, but now that it exists today. The option money, that's always um, been a situation where you don't deliver it, you don't get an option, period, right? So that still exists. But you need to meet all those deadlines noted in the contract. So you need to know when documents were executed so you can understand how to count for those deadlines. And and what does it mean? What is a deadline? Is it five o'clock? Is it midnight? Is it, when is it? Because some of these deadlines are when the title company closes at five o'clock and they, you can't get any anyone to sign for anything. So, you know, ask your agent when those deadlines end and then, you know, certain deadlines end at five o'clock and some end at, you know, the end of the day at midnight. So understand what those are. When you're under contract, it is important to review every single document that gets sent to you, whether it be print, whether it be emailed to you, especially those coming from your realtor and those coming from a title company. And you should read every inch of them. And if you can't or you don't want to, you don't have the time to, you don't understand what you're reading, hire a real estate attorney for that review. It's a couple hundred dollars to do so for them to review those documents and tell them what you're looking for to get out of it. If you want to make, you know, let's say you're trying to run a business in your home or you want to make sure you can have a, you know, a lizard as a pet or whatever it is. Ask him if there's going to be any issues regarding, you know, you living in it as your primary residence or, you know, if you're going to be able to buy it because there's, you know, they're going to be able to satisfy the liens, whatever the case may be. But every single shred of 
email that comes through relating to your property address, the title commitment, title policy, HOA docs. HOA docs and your title commitment, I would encourage you to have a real estate attorney and pay that few extra, you know, hundred bucks in the grand scheme of things to have just a review. I did a, a podcast episode with a real estate attorney. Um, it would be one to go back and listen to. That was probably his biggest takeaway is not um, having buyers not have attorneys review documents, especially HOA and title commitment to make sure there's not going to be any issues. Because um, if there's issues, you can bring it up within a set parameter of time. But if you don't bring it up and you've exhausted that opportunity to bring it up, then it's a, it's a could be a big financial loss for you and you don't want that. Understand timeline for objections. And that's what I was kind of trying to get at. You know, when the title, commi- title commitment gets delivered to you, title commitment is a document coming from title and encompasses who owns the property, whose property is being sold to, you know, what liens are out on the property. It talks about property uh, boundaries. It talks about taxes being collected for the property and you know, back taxes, any information you need to know there. So if you get these documents and there's an objection to them for some reason, you need to know what what's your timeline for objections. I mean, you it's in your contract your agent helps you write and, and navigate, but you know, see the contract and the time for that delivery because you wanna like get these documents and know, okay, I have three days to look at it, I need to get it off to an attorney, or I wanna read it and sit down and digest it and have this time. You know, option period, understand when they start and they end and understand what needs to happen before the end of the deadline. So, you know, a lot of people think the option period is just for the buyer and it it, it is in a sense, but it's also in in a sense um, an opportunity for the seller to respond to your negotiations or or to respond to your request. So, you know, they start the day after you execute a contract. So let's say you executed a contract on the 18th. Uh, your option period begins on the next full business day on the 19th. And then you count out the days and then you have it filled till 5 p.m. on that last day. It doesn't matter if it ends on Sunday or Monday. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, it's 5 p.m. on that very last day. So, you know, what needs to happen? Let's say you take, you have a 10-day option period and take seven of those to do all your due diligence with your inspector. Well, you took seven of those days, the seller really has a day and a half to get back to you. So understanding when they start and they end, but also understanding it's not all about you as a buyer taking up the time to do all of, it's also, you know, giving the seller some time to digest what you're tossing at them and throwing at them. So, you know, inspections are time of the essence when you're, when you're under contract. If you're working with me, the moment that I believe that we are going under contract, I have, I know who you already are going to use as inspector. We've already had that discussion. I'm asking you, have you scheduled that? Do I need help with scheduling that? What's happening? When are we getting that scheduled? Because if I can get you get scheduled in or you can get scheduled in like the day after or two after you go under contract, usually by the end of that night, you know if you're buying the house or not because you know if there's any major issue. 
Time is of the essence. You want to hire a professional inspector to conduct these inspections early in the option period. But like I said before, you want to have that time for the seller to digest any big ask that you're going to be asking for. Whether it be for them to fix something or for to give you money to fix something. It doesn't matter what you're asking for. If you back a seller in a corner at the 11th hour, your answer is going to be likely no. So if you have a 10-day option period, you probably want to be five days in and have all your inspections done. Or five days in and say, Mr. Seller, I need more time because there's a lot to look and unpack here and I don't want to back you into a corner. And if I do that, then you are not going to be happy and I'm not going to be happy at the end of the day. So again, don't wait till the 11th hour. It doesn't serve anybody well. So post-negotiation and post-inspection, I call this my dotting and my cross, dotting my I's and my crossing my T's phase of buying a house. This is my time that I make sure that my clients, that their mortgage company doesn't need anything, their title representative doesn't need anything, and their insurance agent doesn't need anything. Everything that they have asked for has been furnished by the client and everything is acceptable because this is the time frame when it's really quiet. It's like crickets in our industry. And this is the time when the most um, issues arise because maybe there's something that is a struggling document that never got delivered or the title company finds out something new or, or a mortgage company finds out something, you know, new, or they find out that they can't get insurance for one reason or another. So there's little things that arise that your agent should be asking about, but I call, I also tell my clients that they need to consider this time as their part-time job to making sure all these documents are, are in and done and sufficient and acceptable by all these you know, parties that we mentioned, mortgage, title, and insurance. So listen to these third, your third-party team. That's your mortgage professional, your title representative, and your insurance agent. And immediately act, act if they have a request. Um, it could impact your closing um, if you're not going to immediately um, react to the request. Um, so if they have uh, a need, a document, um, something that you need to do, I would encourage you to get that back to them quickly. And the last part about the contract is, um, you know, pre-closing, like a final walk and a repair acceptance. Now, if you've asked the seller to do any physical repairs, you know, you generally there's probably a um, a timeline that you've asked them to repair by. But if you have, you've probably already gone through to make sure those repairs are done to your satisfaction. But this walk is pre-closing walk is more than just making sure repairs are done right. This is also make sure the house is still standing. There's not any new damage. You know, there's not a big leak. The roof is still on the house. Um, there's, you know, there hasn't been a fire. Like you want to do this a day or so before closing. I mean, you could also do one right before closing as well. This is your opportunity to walk through and say, I'm not closing on two days from now because X has happened. It needs to be repaired. Um, this is also the time where you say, from this point forward, if there's any damages on you, seller. So that is the essential, the contract phase. It's, it's 
from a buyer's perspective, it's signing, making sure that all the deadlines that they're aware of, reviewing documents, you know, objections, understanding option periods and inspections kind of have, you know, timelines and time is of the essence. And, you know, negotiation, like inspecting and negotiating, you know, repairs if necessary. So the next phase of it is uh, the closing phase. And this gets to a point where the the buyer starts to think a reality of I'm about to be a homeowner kind of sets in. It's kind of fun to watch. But again, I'm going to reiterate listening to a third-party team at mortgage title and insurance team because that between your realtor, these other professionals, they're there to help you get to that closing table and buy that house. But if you uh, don't get back to them or don't listen to them, that's going to impact and your um, closing experience, you're not going to like it. So I can't stress enough wiring. So you're going to be asked to send funds to closing. Sometimes it's a lot of money. Sometimes it's a little money. It doesn't really matter how much money it is. Oftentimes you're asked to wire money and you'll probably be asked to sign some sort of document up front early in the process from your realtor about how wire fraud is so real in today's environment. You know, with phishing scams and email hacking, um, you don't want to be someone who gets a wire instructions from the title company and you think it's from the title company, but let's say the title company sent you an email with wire instructions and someone hacked you and compromised your email really quickly, got the wire information, changed a couple digits or changed a few the account number or bank or some bank name or something. And then by the time you see it and get it, that's the information you think is legit because it has, you know, the realtor's information on it or it has the title company's information on it. And that's where you send the wire. So if that happens, your money's gone. And so is the you buying a house sometimes because unless you can get to the FBI minutes later, you're probably sad. And, you know, not buying a house. So if you're going to be wiring, wiring funds, I strongly suggest up front you talk to the chosen title professional up front and get those wiring instructions. And you call to verbally verify them with a number that you know is the title companies before sending any money anywhere. Even if you have to drive to a title company, walk in the door, get them printed out and walk away. A lot of times um, title companies are sending them through a secure server. They know you're the only one signing into that. I just, I can't, you can't be too cautious here. So please, 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 if you are wiring funds to closing, make sure where you're wiring them is actually the bank or the title company. You can get a cashier's check. Um, but you will find that if you get a cashier's check over a certain amount, your transaction may not fund in the same day. You may not be the owner on the same day. It, you may um, kind of screw up a closing for another person if that happens. Um, so if you don't want to wire money, it is okay. You just may need to send the money that you need for closing a couple of days before in the in the form of a cashier's check because again, they need to that needs to go through their bank and settle as well because of fraud there as well. Unfortunately, fraud is real everywhere. So 
So the closings where the kind of the start of possession and ownership change happens. Um, it's not where it ends. It's where it starts, right? So um, you just make sure you, before you even consider going to closing, you have a valid either passport, ID card, driver's license, because you can't close unless you have one of the three. So if you don't have, if you look at your passport and it's about to expire, or if you lost your driver's license, go get a, a temporary one and get it started in the mail before you even get to closing. Now know that every party who is related, whether let's say you are husband and wife, but you're separated, if you're, if you're un if you're still legally married, that that separated spouse is still have to sign, right? Or if you're if you're married and you're not alone, right? There's some documents that that spouse is going to have to sign. So parties sign both remote and in person. Often buyers and sellers don't sit in the same room to sign. It happens periodically. Depends on the title company. It's rare, but it happens. Just note that everybody is going to have to sign. So if no one has has asked you marital status uh, or has asked you any information there, then you might want to let them know so they can make sure that all um, appropriate parties sign. Now, you have to remember, it's not your house until the lender has given their final approval. And how did they get that final approval? So this is done in a couple around checks. So just like on the front part of getting the mortgage done, the the lender does a, um, a round of credit checks and, and employment checks at the very tail end to make sure you're still employed and you still have the credit that you did when you first started the process. So don't go buy stuff on credit, even if it's zero interest or zero payments until a timeline, doesn't matter when, um, doesn't matter. Don't buy anything at all until either your realtor or your lender says, okay, to buy something on credit um, because that will wreak havoc on your um, underwriting and your probably closing period. So funding and possession change does not happen until all parties have signed. So remember if you're still legally married and not yet divorced or separated, or if you are married and you're a non-purchasing spouse, which happens all the time. Just I closed on a loan with my husband and he uh, got the loan and I was a non-purchasing spouse. So I had to show up closing, sign a few documents because we are in a community property state. So it doesn't um, happen until all parties have signed the documents. The money has exchanged hands. The buyer has sent their money. The lender has sent their money to title and the lender has reviewed all signed documents from buyer to seller and then has given the green light to the title company that the loan has funded. And then of course, if you know the lender has uh, given the green light and there's still funds in transition from buyer and seller, they can't fund until those monies arrive. So until you have the keys in your possession and you've heard the loan is funded, it's probably not yours. So I always say that the keys can be in your possession. The loan hasn't funded. happens all the time. But until you've heard the loan has funded, then the property is not yours. So, But those two segments uh, conclude the third and final episode of our three-part buyer series. I hope it was informative and will make you a more informed buyer in a future transaction. I know this was really high level, but I wanted to give you a glimpse of what, are, what was under the HUD from a buyer's perspective. I, in the future episodes, we will be diving a little bit more deeper into these little segments within this, this high level buyer series 
um, and talking about some of the mistakes that happen or the pitfalls that you can hope to not fall into or make sure that your transactions as seamless as possible. I hope that you look forward to our upcoming seller series uh, on the on the three phases from the, from the seller side. I would like to express my sincere gratitude to all of our listeners, whether you are listening to us from the comfort of your own home or on the go. I hope that today's episode of Urban Connect has been informative and valuable to you. If you've enjoyed the show, I would be grateful if you would consider following or subscribing our podcast. Your support plays a crucial role in expanding our reach and fostering the growth of the Urban Connect community. Should you have any comments or questions about today's episode, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at jennifer at urbanconnectpodcast.com. Your feedback is invaluable and I'm always eager to hear thoughts and suggestions. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Ashambo and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode of Urban Connect.